Welcome to the 64th edition of the Pro Wrestling Zone, if I am not mistaken. I am Tiger, right? And I am Peanut Gallery. So, first off, we are recording on my laptop. We are in the OGCO doing our show on my laptop. Yes. So, if your sound is a little bit lower than normal, please do turn it up. Right. Um, this is just temporary for this week. We are in Colorado. And surprisingly, male parental unit has actually done predictions and has tied for first place with so, not Peanut Gallery. I lost. Yes, so as of right now, the majestic champion of the world is vacant. Yes. And our next show, if I am not mistaken, is on the second. I'll double check on that. But anyway. Um, let's get into some news. Yes, and we are doing this like haphazardly here on uh, Tiger Heights' new iPad here. Right. So, so what's going on in the world? So, um, before we get into any wrestling news, I want to announce that the UFC has officially released Anderson the Spider Silva. Oh, really? Yes. Um, the final fight against Uriba Favor was extremely disappointing, according uh, to that's uh, too bad. According to Dana White. Uh, Dana White being a very cynical little bitch, so I'm not uh, going to take it as credence. But obviously, um, Anderson and Spider Silva has nothing left to prove. One of the greatest fighters of all time. I don't right. know. What the fuck are you doing? I'm trying to open a beer. You open what? it. Whatever. Okay, fine. Um, Anyways, what's going on? The WWE Thunderdome is going to be moving to the Tropicana yeah. Field. The Tropicana Field next month. Now, I am not 100% sure if it's going to be with fans. Um, it is not not until Royal Rumble, so the plan is is to have uh, just the exp- I I I presume it might be expanded. I feel like it's going to be a bigger Thunderdome. Yep. Um, they may have. They're trying to get fans into the Royal Rumble. Which I mean, I I think they. Might I think be they able do to. half fans, half mm-hmm. half like Thunderdome people. Um, for WrestleMania, they're going back to Raymond James. Yes. And Raymond James will allow them to have up to 13,000 people. Okay. Um, cons- you know, with, with any consideration due for coronavirus, any spikes or anything like that. As of right now, they have thir- they're going to allow 13,000 people. Which is a good, which, I mean, honestly, it's a good number. And it's something after, that we need. After WrestleMania, they are going to start touring again. Really? Yep, that is their plan, is to start touring again after WrestleMania of next year. Now, with the, with the effectiveness of any kind of vaccine as that well. That could be the case. Right. I um, mean, there will be certain please, areas of I'm, the country that, that they're, they're going to avoid, like New York. Well, it depends. I mean, like I said, some areas are going to allow, some aren't. So I think they're going to go to the areas that do allow it first. But, well, yeah. you know, in the meantime, please do stay, stay, stay safe. If Social you, distancing, wear a mask. If you want, if you want them to continue to go around and shit, and with people in the fa- in the crowds, yes. do your part, please. Anyways, um, also speaking of that, they are also um, the new contracts that are coming out are going to uh, not include house shows. Really? Yes. Okay. So the new contracts that have been signed. Um, have not included anything with regards to house shows. So, does that mean the house shows are going away? That might be a topic that we have to consider right. for, ooh, 
I think so they're done. I, I think well, I mean, 100% what, do, what do you guys done. think about house shows? What are the implications of WWE stopping house shows? There I don't are know. a lot of implications. Oh, yeah. We could do an entire episode on that. But um, according maybe, to— Maybe something for a later date. Yeah, according to the news contract, so no house shows. Baller. Anyway, um, Jim Ross has stated 100% that his gig with AEW, when it's done, this contract that he is with is going to be it. Really? He is going to be done. This is his final gig with professional wrestling. Ah. Um, obviously, along with the retirement of The Undertaker, which we'll talk about here later. Yes. Um. You know, we'll talk about that. And also, I want to talk about yes. a, um, special, okay. a special a special congratulations to um, Renee Paquette. Yes, or Renee, she is she is preggers. With Jen Mixie. Yes, so we're going to have Baby Moxley. Hooray. Um, I can't remember the date, nor do I actually give a fuck, but I want to send out our congratulations. The baby's going to be majestic, just like me. Just like us. Well, anyway. just like me, mostly. <laughs> Yeah, you're about, yeah. As, you're, about okay. as, you're about as majestic as a fucking nuclear waste site. That's all right, you know. I can be, I can be majestic. I mean, Chernobyl's majestic. All right. All right. So, with that being said, let's talk about the settlement. What settlement? WWE announced ah. the settlement of a $39 million class action lawsuit with the city of Warren, Michigan's police and fire retirement system, uh-huh. a.k.a. their pension fund. Okay. The fund filed the claim in yeah. March, alleging that WWE executives um, okay. deceived the investing public regarding WWE's business in their Saudi Arabia deal oh, and artificially. I heard about this. And artificially, their and artificially inflated their stock yes. in doing so. Okay. The claimed senior. That's good to know. The claimed senior WWE executive. Sold more than two hundred and eighty million dollars worth of shares at fraud inflated prices. Oh, okay. The suit claimed WWE filed to disclose failed negotiations with the Saudi government over a new broadcasting deal okay. and that WWE didn't have the ability to expand operations to the Middle East. As they had claimed right. to investors. Okay. Interesting. So if you hear the sound kind of fluctuating a little bit, um, Tiger High has no idea how the sound works on this, so I adjusted it just a little bit to make it a little bit louder and clearer for us. So if it all of a sudden went up on you, totally my bad. I'm sorry, but mm-hmm. you can turn it back down. I'm just trying to adjust here because obviously – uh, you know, Tiger Heidel, you'd like. I'm sorry, I, I'm I'm part, I'm a part of the Mac Master Race, okay? The Mac, the Maxter Race. Yes. You know what? You know what? Us us PC people take offense to that, and we don't want to even put in Poshfits. <laughs> Poshfits. <laughs> sorry. Jesus. Is that too soon? <laughs> too soon for the ho- okay. If you, if you say too soon for the Holocaust, there's something wrong. Um. So yes, we're doing this kind of on the scuff. Is there anything else that I did not cover? Um. Let me think about this. Um. Oh, the uh. Let's talk about Zelina Vega. Yes, the update on Zelina Vega. So um. Apparently yes. So we talked a little bit about Zelina Vega last week about. Um, her release and and the shock waves that it cost. So apparently, Zelina Vega, after she so she was not actually personally released by Vinnie Mac. 
but uh, she was released by the EVP, like second command of Triple H of talent relations. Oh. Yeah. So she was notified of her release at that point in time at the WWE headquarters. She um, had requested a meeting with Vince McMahon afterwards, but uh, she was denied that and she was escorted out of the building. She didn't get a chance to talk with Vince McMahon before all this shit went down. Yes. So, um, this is very interesting. Zelina Vega has been in talks with the uh, screen this the Screen Actors Guild, which yes. is the number one um, actor slash actresses union. Yes, and they have mentioned Act, professional yep. wrestlers yes. possibly joining. And I know Andrew Yang is very close in yes. this. Um, also, Alexa Bliss has um, done a. I don't know if it was so much a a refute of that or if she the the, was, ref, the refute of the meeting of the Screen Actors Guild? No, no, of the union possibility. So, Alexa Bliss, I don't know if it was because she was put on the spot or if she couldn't say certain things or whatever, but she said that, yeah, they take care of us all the time. I mean, I had a concussion and, and Vince McMahon said, yeah, we're going to put you in touch with the best doctors in the nation, that sort of thing. With that interview, though, not I, I don't think that she touched on the fact that there was a union talk at all. Also, okay, wait, 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 hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, okay, okay here's here's my thing about that okay. because what you said. Yeah, no, was, no, I'm talking about the Alexa Bliss. Um, she was on a podcast recently, and she had. No, I I know I know about yeah, it. Okay, okay, now I know what you're talking okay, about. Okay, perfect. so so here's what I was thinking when I heard that. So. Alexa Bliss, she is not trying to take WWE side because I had some people send it to me on Twitter, right. okay. and um, I, I listened to yeah. it, and they're like, oh my god, she's defending WWE. No. No, no. The, the problem is is that WWE takes care of their competitors right. when they're injured in yeah. the ring, but for like general doctor's visits right. and checkups and... That, um, that's where the WWE kind of falls. Yes. Yes. That's where a union comes in because then they're covered for everything, exactly. but also... Um, a lot of these competitors may have families, and their yes. families are not covered. Right. That's where we get an impasse here. Right. That's where a lot of this is. So it's like, right. oh, um, a checkup, and right. oh, um, I got injured in a motorcycle right. accident or something like that. WWE doesn't cover that, right. but if they're a part of a union, then they do. Exactly. Um, w at that point, if WWE... WWE cannot control the union, right. That's why the whole thing with the Screen Actors right. Guild... And that's where it's interesting, too, because remember, a, a lot of these WWE wrestlers also have... They're independent contractors. If, if the Screen right. Actors Guild say, we're going to add professional wrestlers who inquire right. into our union... They can apply and accept right. and everything, and WWE does not have a fucking say in it. And if they fire them, right. that is discrimination based on a union. Exactly. I was forced to be in a union right. when I worked in Meyer. Right. Meyer controlled the union. Right. That's where you. That's where they faulted. Exactly. I did not want to be a part of a union right. personally. I w I would have loved the option right. and maybe I looked at it maybe had a lawyer look at it right. blah 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 but I was never given that choice right um, okay this is where that's interesting yes this is where okay. WWE 
if if they if the Screen right. Actors Guild accepts professional wrestlers into okay. this, it can change the entire yeah, industry because it's independent from WWE. Right. But also their 1099s, how yeah. they're how they're doing this bullshit is totally totally BS. Right. But once again, this is a conversation for another day. Maybe yeah, absolutely. Maybe, maybe we can look into the laws and yeah. make it into a show. Oh yeah, we can do a whole show on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Alright, so if you saw some weird shit, I'm just messing around with the audio mixer here. What are you doing? Well, so the the volume wasn't up all the way and all that. Ah. And so I just am messing around with it. Okay. Just, just making sure we sound the same. Well, luckily this is a part of the um, news portion yeah, of it the is. show. Uh, we sound pretty equal as of right now, but um, yeah. So that's kind of what's going on. So if you hear some weird shit, uh, first time using the laptop, and um, we will definitely do better in next time. But anyways, when we come back, Bibble yep. study from your illustrious gallery of peanuts. We are talking about Austin 316 and one of the reports I did in high school on Austin 316. Yes, I did a report on it. We'll be right back. And we are back. With um, some Bibble study. Peanut yeah, gallery, yeah. take it away. All right, so... Um, I was going to talk about Shawn Michaels, but I'm going to save that for next week. We're going to talk about Austin 316. Austin 316 is the catchphrase that transcended everything that sports entertainment at the time ever knew. A catchphrase that defined not just the career of one of the biggest WWE superstars of all time, but one that defined an entire era of professional wrestling. A catchphrase that is responsible for a major chunk of WWE's merchandise sales and a catchphrase that is well and truly immortal. But what does Austin 316 actually mean? Well, let's go to the context of Austin 316. He recently rid himself of the association with Ted DiBiase had taken part in the 1996 King of the Ring tournament. The tournament semifinals and finals were held at the Mecca Arena in Milwaukee, Wisconsin on June 23rd of that year. After Austin defeated Mark Merrow in the semifinals of the tournament, he was set to face Jake the Snake Roberts. Roberts had earlier defeated Vader in disqualification. The first thing I want to be done, this is what he said, after the match was over. The first thing I want to be done is to get that piece of crap out of my ring. Don't just get him out of the ring. Get him out of the WWF because I proved, son, without a shadow of a doubt, that you ain't got what it takes anymore. You sit there and you thump your Bible. You say your prayers and it doesn't get you anywhere. Talk about your Psalms. Talk about your John 3.16. Austin 3.16 said, I just whipped your ass. And all he's got to do is buy him a cheap bottle of Thunderbird and try to get back the son of a some of that courage he lost in his prime. As King of the Ring, I'm serving notice to everyone the WWF superstars. I don't give a damn who they are. They're all on the list and all the Stone Cold's list and I'm fixing to start running through all of them. Piss off. As far as the championship matches considered, I don't give a damn as Dave Boy Smith or Shawn Michaels. Steve Austin's time has come. And when I get the shots, you're looking at the next WWF champion. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. Now, Jake Roberts, who had been the epitome of a cool character in his previous stints, 
had recently returned to the company with a preacher gimmick, the gimmick inspired by him turning into a born-again Christian and actually becoming a preacher in real life, had him as a religious Christian man who frequently quoted the Bible. After Austin has uh, pretty much destroyed Roberts in the final four minutes and 20 seconds, he was interviewed by Doc Hendricks, better known as Michael Hayes. It was there that he delivered his iconic speech, which was later credited by the WWE as the beginning of the Attitude Era. As you can see, Austin mocked Jake Roberts' faith by referencing John 3.16 and saying that Austin 3.16 says, I just whipped your ass. John 3.16 is the most famous and well-known verse of the Christian Bible. The verse is synonymous with the teachings of Christianity itself and is often quoted by preacher and priests alike. So when Austin came up with his Austin 3.16 during the aforementioned promo, this was the verse that he was talking about. It was also worth noting that Jake Roberts had quoted this verse while cutting a backstage promo on Austin prior to their match. Straight from the horse's mouth, when I was asked about the origins of Austin 3.16, that is what Stone Cold himself had to say about it. And it was the same interview that was published on the WWE.com website at the same point when he uh, had an interview years later. As we all know, however, Austin 316 went on to become the most popular catchphrase of the entire history of professional wrestling. And what I want to get to with particular to this is, is where I see Austin 316 being a very significant event. You see, Austin 316 was the first and probably the arguably the the most impactful um, interviews of of Stone Cold Steve Austin's career. And it is my belief that Austin had referenced himself in stating that this was the turning point for Steve Austin because after this, he ascended into superstardom. So Austin 3.16, if you look at what John 3.16 says, is that it it talks about for, um, let's see, uh, so John 3.16, I don't know it's off the top of my head here, because I have, okay, so for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. Is there not a parallel here between Steve Austin and Jesus in that statement? Austin 3.16. So Austin is Jesus in, in this context because he was the savior of the WWF. Hmm. So did he reference himself in this by saying, I just whipped your ass, started off his quest with a, an, entire, um, an entire arc, a uh, hierarchy with Vince McMahon. That rivalry saved the WWF from failing with the WCW. What are your thoughts on that, Tiger Height? Uh, wow, That's, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, I, I can see the parallel of it, but yeah. I think the quote wouldn't have been as big if Austin wasn't Austin. No, because it was not. It, it, it was an 
ad lib thing. Yep. It just it was. caught on. It was, it was not. It was not part of the script at all. It just caught because he just said it was some such emphasis, yeah. and it was relative to the rivalry that he was in, and people were behind him. And it's like everything he said. Yeah. Austin with what? Austin with because right. Stone Cold said so. Right. Austin three sixteen. Um, the last cowboy or whatever it right. was. Everything because but, that's just Austin. But but the Stone Cold Steve Austin, Austin three sixteen was he alluding to himself as the the savior figure of what would eventually be the Attitude Era of the WWF? Obviously, I can't say for sure because this was so really off. Even, yeah, I don't think he even predicted that. But he just he just said it because of the rivalry that yeah. he was in and Jake the Snake was but, the preacher at but, the time. But isn't but isn't that interesting about like how that was that was prophetic almost. In a way it was. I really enjoyed that. What did you so Peanut Gallery you referred to this as something that you wrote in. So yes. so it was a so what we studied we studied the Bible's literature in high school. So um, they wanted us to use a pop cultural reference and use the the Bible as a reference point for pop culture utilizing the verse in the Bible as as a as a um, as a you know as a uh, motif God for uh, for their character development and so you know people didn't fucking know what I was talking about but um, you know there were one or two people in there that kind of had a little bit of history about Stone Cold Steve Austin because this is back right. in the early 2010s. So most of these guys grew up with Steve Austin, but right. um, it was interesting to me at the time, and I think it's very relevant now um, that we're talking about the Bible study and we're talking about um, the positive impacts that some of these religious uh, implicate yeah, right. some of these implications can have. And I thought Austin three sixteen was a great way to start off with that, right? Um, so, what do you think? Do you think that? I mean, obviously, I don't think at the time Stone Cold now, now had this, any this, idea at, about at this, at this case. I can see where you're coming right. from, but I think one hundred percent this is hindsight twenty twenty. Oh yeah, it is. It definitely is. But I thought it was just a really weird coincidence. What you, so, do you remember what you got on that um, lecture paper? Do you remember? Oh, it wasn't lecture or paper. It was just something that I just pulled out of my. Um, it was it was one of those things where it's like oh yeah give a presentation and and ah. just find that pop culture reference. What did and, you get on it? Oh yeah no they they didn't understand it but you know I got pretty high marks on that one. Well I'm pretty sure it was because it's like now if you like so Stone Cold Steve Austin Austin three sixteen do you think he was alluding to himself as the um, as the savior of the WWF? I think in a hindsight yes, but I, I don't I can see that like yep. if you look at it from a nineteen ninety eight nineteen ninety nine two thousand perspective. Destiny kind of alludes to that yeah, definitely. It does. Isn't he, that interesting though how he like yeah. referenced that? Yeah it's really cool actually. And he becomes the savior of the WWF. Anyways, um it's a little bit of a shorter Bible study, but I thought it was kind of cool. Well, sometimes something a little yeah. more, something a little shorter, something a little more impactful yeah, is better than something long yeah. and drawn out. Absolutely. So, anyways, um, when we come back from the break, I'm going to readjust a little bit of my mic here, and um, we are going to talk about a wrestling lesson. Wrestling lesson with yeah, Tyler yeah. Hyde. So we will be right back after the break.
and we are back, and we're going to talk about some wrestling lessons. Yeah. Now, with the whole thing okay. with The Undertaker, yeah. he, has lot, he has had a lot of iconic moments oh, yeah, and a lot of iconic matches that have cool. really trended set on there. And I wanted to talk about some other okay. matches that were culturally significant to what we know of as pro wrestling yeah, today. Absolutely. So I'm going to talk about five matches, some facts with them, okay. and what their implications were at the end of the day. Fair enough. But let's go back to the early 1900s. All right. This is Chicago, May of 1911. Okay. The rematch okay. between George, um, between George Hackenschmidt okay. and Frank Gotch. All right, cool. So um, their first match was in Chicago All in right. 1908. Now, at this time, uh, Hackenschmidt was the undefeated. All right. European World Heavyweight Champion, which around the world was the technical, 100% across the board, no doubt, World Heavyweight Champion. Okay. George Hackenschmidt was much more of a strength-based catch-can style wrestler. So very much a very technical style um, kind of what you think of British back in like the 70s. That yeah. was Hackenschmidt. But Frank Gotch had more of a higher paced um, American style. Okay. That's what they called it. And there were two finishing moves that kind of led to this because George, um, Frank Gotch was a technical wrestler, yeah. but he was quicker. So he wanted to slow you down as he was quicker on his feet. Okay. So he went after his Fair legs. Enough. So. Um, Hackenschmidt's finishing hold was the bear hug. Okay. Very easy, but once again, um, Hackenschmidt had very broad shoulders, right. a very large chest, so he could really wrap around right. and really crush you, and that's how he won most of his matches. All right. And he was undefeated for years, right. years and years. I think it was like eight or nine years that he was world champion. But Frank Gotch had the dreaded spinning oh, toe hold. Okay. So he went after the leg. So um, the big thing was, will George break Gotch's ribs right. or will the dreaded toehold break another leg? Ooh, okay. So now, 1911, this match took place at Comiskey Park in Chicago. So this is a baseball stadium. The first time okay. that a wrestling match, it had to be in the baseball stadium right. because it was so popular. Nice. Um, Hackenschmidt went back to Europe. So the setup to this match was this. In 1908, Hackenschmidt blamed okay. the conditioning of the United States as the reason he lost to Gotch. Okay. So um, he touted this. Like, right. oh, he can't beat me again. He can't beat me again because okay. I'm going to train to that climate, to that temperature, to that everything. Right. Um, and Hackenschmidt is from Russia. He was called the Russian Bear. Right. Um, when he came back, this was it. An eighty-seven thousand dollar gate. Nice. In nineteen eleven. Wow. That's crazy. Also, this is the first time ever in the history of professional right. wrestling that a whole card was sold on a marquee match like this. Nice. This was. Hogan Andre in the 1900s. Cool. This was Antonio Inoki and Muhammad Ali back in the day. Nice. Now, 
every single one of these matches because this is so carnies. It was still best two out of three falls. Right. Because a lot of this was right. based on that whole carny who can beat who most right. in a lot of time. Right. So, in 1908, Hacken quit the entire match because he was exhausted and bloodied up. Nice. Because this was still a shoot-style wrestling. Right. So, they hit each other. They took each other down um, and all of that. So, in 1911... This was revolutionary, and nobody thought in the history of the world this would happen. Hackenschmidt quit first fall because he got himself caught in a way where he couldn't get himself out. So he's like, okay, let's try this again. Uh, but then he tapped. This is the first time. Huh. This is the first time in recorded professional wrestling history that a tap out occurred. Ever. Okay. And guess what it was? The spinning toehold took nice. down the Russian bear. And nice. in the Chicago Tribune, that's what the title was. The spinning toehold took down the Russian bear. Nice. Now, this is 1911. In Russia with the United States, this was enormous. Um, This match was – he was injured. So, okay. Hackenschmidt had to retire because huh. – of this spinning toehold submission. Interesting. And then uh, Frank Gotch took the championship and ran it with it for a couple of more years yeah. from then on. But this was the... A lot of people recognize that this Hackenschmidt-Gotch, this was the biggest rivalry at right. the time. But, I mean, when you think old-time professional wrestling, Hackenschmidt-Frank Gotch, come on. Right. But this was, this was the match. And right. I wanted to talk about this one before the 1908 match okay. because this one was the first time, number one, $87,000 gate in 1911. That's fucking crazy. Right. The okay. biggest gate ever. Sell, sold out arena, first time ever cool. as well. And also, not in Kearney. Nice. This was the first time that this rivalry was so big. Word to mouth. Across the world, people traveled from Europe to see this match. Yeah. And people wanted it. The the, the trash talk, the everything was based on this right. match. So, I mean, I could I could tout that forever. But let's talk about um Japan. February eighteenth, nineteen fifty four. This is a tag team match. Okay. A lot of res a lot of wrestling historians believe that this is the first official Japanese wrestling match. Ever. Cool. This is Ricky Dozen and Masahiko Kimura versus the Sharp Brothers. Nice. So they say these guys have been wrestling, yeah. quote unquote, since, but right. this is like the first time that really happened. Right. Um, Ricky Dozen, okay. huge wrestler. Right. So this was in the Kimura Sumo Hall. Okay. 20,000 people in attendance. Right. This packed right here. Boom. Cool. This this is Hackenschmidt Frank Gotch at the time. Cool. Uh Ricky Dozen introduced the Pomiro style wrestling, which is what we know of as strong style today. You, you mean Perosu. Perosu. Did I say Pomiro? Sorry. Yeah, you said Perosu. Yeah. Oh, Perosu. I my my fucking um my fucking thing actually um spell check it. Right. Okay, cool. So it was a P U R O R E A E A U. No, Perosu. Yeah, Perosu. So it switched the S to the R. Yeah. Anyway, um, and now yeah. this is the Perosu style, which is what we know of as currently right. Japanese strong style, to the Sharps 
shoot style. Right. So these are actual brothers. One of the first actual brothers to ever wrestle as right. a tag team. Um, and also, Iron Mike Sharp was in this, so it was okay. a big time deal. Cool. And Kimiru and Ricky Dozen were huge celebrities in Japan as well, uh-huh. and outside of wrestling. So this is what they sold this on as the celebrities versus the Americans. And not only that, but also keep in mind, February 18th, 1954. Right. This is this is pretty close after the surrender of Japan yeah, in absolutely. World War Two. Yeah. But the weird thing is, is that this match ended in a draw. Cool. The Sharps got okay. the first fall, and then uh, Ricky Dozen submitted. I think um, not Mark Sharp's brother. Uh, Mike Sharp's brother. I can't right. remember his name. Um, for it, people think that this was the first actual retribution for Japan against huh. Americans after the bombing after the bombing because it was right. so fresh in their mind. Yeah, it was. The whole place just erupted. They believe that Ricky Dozen and Kimiru won the match. Right. But they did not win the match. It went to a time limit draw with a oh, tie. Okay. So I I had to talk about this because this was big. Right. Huge implications. Anyway now, let's go back to America, but this is very early America. January 23rd, 1984, Madison Square Garden. Right. The Iron Sheik defending the newly christened WWF champion against Hulk Hogan. Ooh, nice. So, Hulk Hogan left the AWA for the right. WWF already head full of steam. Steam rolling through, John Cena-esque run right, right. now. Right. And the Iron and Mr. McMahon okay. wanted Hogan to be the champion, but nice. at this time Bob Backlund was a champion, right? And Bob Backlund would not drop the champion to anybody who wasn't a legitimate wrestler. Okay, that's why the Iron Sheik won oh, for two. Okay, yes, for two reasons. Number one, Iranian amateur wrestler represented Iran right. in the Olympics, and also yeah. he was a part of the Iranian army. Ah, okay. But also, now, 1984, okay. what was going on at this time as well? Iran-Iraq War. Not only that, but the Iranian hostage crisis. Oh, that's right. So, a lot of that Iranian hostage right. crisis was put into the promos of oh, this as well. okay. Mm-hmm. So, this place was packed. Um, they had to put a screen outside right. because there were so many people trying to get in. <laughs> You could not drive. Right. You could not drive around the city block of Madison Square Garden. There were that many people nice. around it. Hulk Hogan got the. This was the big money match, and obviously Hogan won. And also, this was the first time. Yeah. Hulk, or this is the first time that the camel clutch was broken. Oh, okay. First time ever. Hogan won okay. the match. This kicked off Hulkamania. Oh, okay. People believe, I can see that, yeah. People believe that this was a kickoff for Hulkamania. Oh, okay. Because at the very end, um, with because Hulk Hogan counted right. Hulkamania. Yeah. It's like, if Hogan lost, that was it for Hulkamania. Right. And when Gorilla Monsoon said, Hulkamania right. is here, right. that kicked off what we know of wrestling right. today. So that kicked off the 1980s wrestling boom, Yes, and also, Hulk Hogan came yeah. out... Um, right. In his, he wore a shirt, white shirt, said, right. made in the USA on it. That's awesome. One, it, it was the most published 
picture of the 1980s. Nice. That big. Nice. And that's how big wrestling was back Yeah, then. that was. Yeah. Crazy. So, um, I talked about Peanut Gallery with this next match because I wasn't sure. I had two matches, but he thought this one was more important. Trish Stratus versus Lita. Yep. On the December 6th, 2004 edition of Monday Night Raw. Yep. Main event. Yep. This was the first time and ever. And this was over um, the fabulous Moolah versus Wendy Richter. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. Um, and the reason that I thought this one was more important was because this is the first time that women were brought into the spotlight within, like, on an equal playing field to men. Right. I mean, Wendy Richter versus, versus this, Fabulous well, Moolah. This was big because Fabulous Moolah was champion for 30 right. years, and Wendy Richter was right. just that popular, right. and also with the name of Cindy Lauper. But I agree with Peanut Gallery. Number one, women's wrestling at this point was so competitive right. and great. You had Trish Stratus, peak of her career right here. Boom. She held this champion you had for Lita, 400 days. peak of her career. Right. Um, You had... um. Ivory, you had Victoria, you had Gail Kim. All of them peak of their well, I think Gail Kim really blossomed in impact. Right. But you got you got right. great you have great yeah, yeah, competitive like great. women yes. wrestling here. I mean, you you wouldn't see this level of women's wrestling until And also these two were so women's revolution. These two were so popular right. that they had to put this as the main right. event. Right. This had to be the main event. Right. Um the match was incredible. I remember yeah. watching this live. I mean this was the talk. I remember. I was thinking it was like in fucking elementary school. Right. This this was the match that people talked about. In yeah, elementary it was. School. Um, also, this was the match that Lita um, broke her neck. She right. did that suicide dive right. and rolled to their back. Probably one of the scariest suicide right. dives I've ever seen still to this day because right. she bent backwards and like Ugh. slung up like an right. accordion. Right, I remember that one. Um, Lita did win the match. Yes. And it ended Tristratus's gigantic reign at yes, that time. Yes, it did. And um, but I think Lita had to relinquish the title because of the match. Yes, she did. Yeah. So, unfortunately, that happened. But, once again, another very important match yes, for women's very wrestling. Yes, very important. Um, this one, I was trying to find like a match that solidified this rivalry, but I couldn't. But there was a year span that solidified everything with this. Right. This is the 1952 series of matches between El Santos and Blue Demon. Oh, okay. So so we're going to Mexico for this last match, aren't yes, we? Yes, yes we are. Um, I kind of wanted to get a nice little mix. Yeah, um, cool. El Santos defeated an unmasked Blue Demon's partner at the time, oh, okay. Black Shadow, that started this rivalry. Huh, interesting. And Blue Demon was a heel, and El right. Santos was the enormous baby right. face. Okay. Um, the series launched at that point, and they also worked together and separately in movies. Oh, okay. What was interesting about this was they would tag team as partners in some movies, but if it came to a luchador horror movie, right. which were hugely popular, Blue Demon always beat El Santo. Huh. This, this not only, this series, every Mexican luchador competitor will agree with you. Not only did this solidify El Santos right. as the urban legend right. that he is, the the bastion of truth and justice right. against Blue Demon, which right. solidified himself okay. as not a bad guy, but the, the bad, bad guy. guy. Huge. 
like the pop culture. This was the first time right. that people saw professional wrestling as not only a pro wrestling right. thing, but a pop culture rivalry. Right. Oh, cool. Yeah. So there were there were news outlets saying even before the movie came out, will El Santos beat Blue Demon? Right. In a horror movie situation. Huh. It was that big. Cool. And once again, this this was it. Like, th- this right. whole rivalry, this solidified current Mexican wrestling, like, lore. Oh, yeah. Because before this, every single Mexican persona was based on a god right. or an old hero. And they were always bright and colorful. But these two, all white, as the pure form luchador amazing athlete against once again a brightly colored person but still very plain these two created their identity by themselves without a lore background okay cool and that was the first time ever that happened yeah so these are just a few of the most important matches in professional wrestling maybe i'll do another part to this because i think you should because you're about um you're 17 minutes into it i'm sorry you you, can't yeah yeah, you you can't go wrong no you can't you can't you can't lose contact with any of these because everything means something right so um definitely something to do for next time as well I mean, I can see a multi-part series for something like this. Oh, yeah. Anyways, when we come back from our break, though, Survivor Series of 2020 in the Thunderdome. Yeah. And we are back. I really do apologize for the sound. Like I said, first time that we were ever on this laptop, so we don't know all the sound at this point. We're still just kind of experimenting. Please be patient with us. And it won't. It won't happen next it won't, week. It won't happen next week. Next, we'll be back in Vegas on our regularly scheduled computer. But like I said, we're in Colorado. We're happy to be here, and we will end up on Survivor Series. So, is it, is it is it bad that I just realized I don't have the little fluffy thing over your mic? By the way, I, you know what? Whatever. Anyways, <laughs> so um. Interesting thing happened tonight, though. Tiger Height and MPU, the male parental unit, who did predictions uh, prior to this match, tied for first place. Yep. And at that point in time, the title the title is becomes vacant. vacant because I lost. This is the first time I am ever. no longer the majestic champion of the world. The title is vacant for the first time ever. And will be decided at the next pay per view, which is going to be. I have no fucking idea. Let me okay. Check. Anyway, um, go ahead and talk about the pre-show while I figure that out. Yeah. So the pre-show, um, we had a lot of annoying things going on. It was better than the um last week's pre-show. So, anyways, um, our uh, truth. Let's let's talk about this. Our truth <laughs> had a segment with regards to the 30th anniversary of a superstar that is not the Undertaker. And we are talking about the gobbledygooker. The gobbledygooker came out in the brand new costume because apparently they couldn't find the original costume. <laughs> he won the 24-7 champion. Now, this wasn't even the funny part. So it was gobbledygooker, R-Truth, Akira Tozawa, and the referee because Akira Tozawa showed up for some reason. <laughs> we saw them running all the way across the room and they started walking because they thought end of scene kind of thing. Okay, well, it wasn't the end of the scene because the, the, the camera guy was on you the whole time. 
So you guys were running, running, running all the way across, and then you just stopped, and, you know, you just, like, they just started walking. Like, oh, end of scene. And then afterwards, you see the camera guy that was recording that same thing behind the um, behind the uh, pre-show desk. And the camera guy just went, he just went, whoop. He's like, he's like went down. <laughs> it was, it was really bad. It was bad. really bad. It's like, what is this amateur hour at WWE? I mean, seriously. So anyway, um, the, ba- the, the battle Royal. Oh yes. Battle Royal was awful. It was a nothing sandwich. Nothing happened. There the was Miz no, won because of reasons. There was no point to it. There was absolutely no point to it. So you had world-class athletes like Ricochet. Like, um... You had, um, Cedric Alexander. You oh, had yeah. Shelton Benjamin. You had Bobby Roode. You had Dolph Ziggler. You had Rey Mysterio. You had Kalisto, who actually did, like... They, right. had, a, they had really good chemistry. Please, let's... Um, you let's, had, can we have a program see, with them? You have, who else did we have? We had Murphy. We had... Dominic. Had and Dominic, they, and they, they, had, they were very good, too. Um, we had Titus O'Neil, thank Christ, somewhere... There were just it was just a nothing sandwich. It's like you had world class athletes in a pre show match because oh Shinsuke Nakamura, oh, Shinsuke Nakamura because reasons. Oh, you know n- n- nobody really because you know no one really. So you know, wait, Shinsuke now, Nakamura, now not we, only a former NJPW champion or anything, right? IWGP Heavyweight Champion, the one who beat Brock Lesnar for right, and that, that but kind of person. Also, also like pretty pr- pretty much like the, <sighs> the the pioneer of the Intercontinental Champion. Right. I mean, whatever. This is whatever. Who who cares? Shinsuke sucks. I'm just kidding. I love Shinsuke. Jesus, go back to NJPW, please, Shinsuke. I can't master. I can, I can't finish until he Kinshasa somebody in the face. Okay then. So, um, with that with that total digression, are we going to be counting the AEW Winter Is Coming show as something that we're going to do predictions on? The what? This is the um, episode of Dynamite where John Moxley will defend against Kenny Omega. No, for we're not going to count that. Okay. Uh, so the next time that Goldie will be on the line in some way, shape, or form is going to be at NXT TakeOver War, War Games, Games yeah. on the um, 6th of December. Nice. So not next weekend, but the weekend after next and weekend. And we will be doing a show on that, and the other ship will be in town. I don't know where. Fuck. Again? Yes. You know what? Fuck it. Whatever. I don't care. It's only going to be one. Whatever. Yeah. So, anyways, that is the next show. So, anyways, Goldie is officially, as of tonight, a vacant animal. Yes. And um, they will be confused as to why we're not bringing Goldie because Goldie is held by nobody. Right. <laughs> exactly. It's gonna be super weird. Be anyway, super let's weird. let's go into the regular Survivor Series. It was Team Raw: AJ Styles, Braun Strowman, Riddle, Sheamus, and Keith Lee versus Team SmackDown. Jay Uso, Kevin Owens, Otis, Seth Rollins, King Corbin, and who was the other person? Do I did I say everybody? Yeah, you did. Oh, I did. Okay, yeah. So, anyways, um, so MPU did predictions, and so did uh, Tiger Height and myself. So all three of us did predictions on this. So it was a clean sweep for Raw, which was kind. I was expecting oh, that. Um, Seth Rollins becoming a martyr. Yes, he sacrificed himself basically for Sheamus to bro kick him in the face. I mean, I mean, he he did a full Good Friday. Oh yeah, um, I mean, he he Good Friday himself. Keith, Keith Lee looked freaking awesome. Obviously, <laughs> he he Good Friday himself to do a bro kick. Um, Otis actually looked. Otis was kind of like, honestly, okay. We usually t- try tend to do celebrities right. like Otis. Otis was the breakout in this oh, yeah, he sh- was. match. He was 
so good. Oh, with yeah, absolutely. Everybody. But once again, this is why they try to push him, but then they right. don't. Did I mess up my... Uh, no, it's good. Yeah, you're good. You're blind. Okay. I'm sorry. My back was starting to hurt. I mean, look, this audio is not going to be perfect, but I have it as good as it can possibly no, be. No, I'm, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it'll be okay. So anyway, yes, Um, Team Raw did a total clean sweep on it. Um. I like the pacing of the match. The pacing was fine. I um, I thought I thought it was a good opening, easy match. That they it just... was it was, but I really think that they should have switched the women's and the men's. Yeah, in my opinion. But we'll right. get to the women's match later. Anyway, later. Uh, the New Day versus the Street Profits. Uh, the New Day were dressed in their Gears of War gear. gear. Um, and they also did a preview of like some of their stuff, yeah. and it looks. So so that's why so Biggie actually came out with them despite yes. no longer being a part of the official New Day, um, but it, it was fine. You know, I mean Biggie I, coming uh, out looked good. Oh yeah, um, I like the match. I thought yeah, it was very it was good. A good match. In the, in the street profits, good, good back and forth. It was a good palate cleanser for the shit show that we saw the last match. <laughs> um, uh, the street profits won. Yep, which was interesting. Interesting. They were they're really behind the street profits. Yeah, they though. are. Um, well, Street Profits are Heyman guys, so... Oh, they are? Yeah, they are. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that, that would make so, sense. So, anyways, next match was Sami Zayn versus... Uh, oh, Sami Zayn, who is who has a, um, a persecution complex about him, versus right? Bobby Lashley, part of the Hurt Business. Um, I liked the match. The match itself was okay. I... What I didn't like was Sami Zayn didn't use some of his weird tactics. Right, he tried to like escape the ring and take off the thing, but the hurt I mean, business I, I was wanted, there. I wanted him to do like something weird with like some sort of weapon or something. Right. Well, he tried to have MVP try to trip him. I thought if the referee told him no, that would not be acceptable. Right. That probably right. would have been so much better because once again, this is. Where... I, I would have. I would have liked to see Sami Zayn use some of his like really chicken shit heel tactics. Right. I thought it was kind. Kind of a little lackluster. It was. It was. It wasn't the best. And Sami Zayn's so good at that. Please give him that creative freedom. I'm guarantee you, him and Bobby will do something just. I I want to see chicken shit heal Sami Zayn. And you know his letter. Even if Bobby Lashley wins, I want Sami Zayn to do something like nefarious. Exactly. You like handcuff like. I don't know, Bobby Lashley and MVP together or something. Right, that would have been <laughs> awesome. Or um, if if the trip that Sami Zayn did actually had the Hurt Business totally taken out right. of the equation. Like something like that. That would have been Yeah, exactly. Great. Um, but anyways, it was an give okay him, give match. Him, give him that great, clever-esque right. heel tactics because that's what people want. Is I, that's what I want to that's see. That's what I wanted that's to see. What, that's what they made that ladder match so amazing. Yes, that is. Because of that unbelievable, that very, chicken shit, whatever. Very right. clever, very unique. Give him right. that. He can do it. Yeah, absolutely. Have, have something involved with the actual Thunderdome. Right. How cool would have that been? Right. Um, anyways, moving on to the next match, Asuka and... This match was Sasha. lame. It was lame. It was not very good. They could not click at out of, out of all the matches until, I've until, seen between the two. This was been this was the worst match until I've the seen. very end. Oh. It was the very end of the right. show, and then they started to be okay. But it was like, 
my God, you guys can tear down this. I thought this was going to be the show stealer. I thought so too. But they they just could not right. click. But, you know, once again, sometimes the choreography just doesn't happen. It happens. Right. You know, we know that these two do constantly great work. Right. And there's nothing wrong with their work. It was just a bad night, it looks like. It was. Like. Yeah, it just looked like a bad night. Ah, male, male parental unit just kind of stepped in. Oh, hi, male parental unit. Ah, oh, we're just doing the uh, Survivor Series uh, review here. Um, Are we being too loud? Oh, okay. Oh, okay. All right, good night, male parental units. It's it's 8.30. No, it's 9.30. It's 9.30. I know. I think We're going to be up for a whole other hour here, at least. Okay. <laughs> 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 so anyways, male parental unit enjoyed parts of the show that he watched. <laughs> All right. Good night. Good night. Anyways, um... We're going to move on to the other women's survivors. Ugh. Oh, my God. Actually, no. T- okay, okay, hold on. I liked... I, 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 thought, liked, I liked the way that Lana kind this, of... This... Okay, between the two Survivor Series match, this one was my favorite. I think so, too, yes. Um, they were both lackluster this year, but this one was probably my favorite. This one this one, Just told because the of the rivalry story. going into it. The, they told the best story. They told the best story. Um... I loved how they told Lana to stay out of the ring. Yep. Um, but then she was in the ring and she oh, was well, doing also, good. Also, we were taught so um, peanut. So Tiger Height and I were watching a lot of um, a lot of Superstore NBC show earlier, and so um, Peyton Royce looked like Cheyenne from that show, and I tweeted that to Peyton Royce and the actress that played Cheyenne in Superstore, and I haven't heard anything back, but the hair. The purple, the pink purple hair. Well, like, got him, and it yeah. was so funny. Yeah, it was funny. like, oh, and, and here comes Cheyenne with whatever. It's like, <sighs> um, I thought it I was. I can't unsee it. I, I just, I just thought this match was structured better. It was, I it thought was, it was structured. There was, a, there was a much better. better. There was a much better story. The focus was most certainly on the Lana people, and Nia the Jax. people, the people that deserved to lose by some sort of bullshit lost by some sort of bullshit. Right. Um, and Shayna then, Baszler. That meant Shayna Baszler. Bianca Belair, Nia Jax. They lost by some bullshit. Right. Some technicality, whatever. And also, nobody was buried in no. this either. Everybody looked so good. It was like, yeah. oh, um, Bailey was the first one it eliminated, was. but it's like, it took them a minute right. to get into it. And it's like, okay, what else does Bailey have to do? Exactly. She's already an established person. Yeah. She can lose a, right. a nice, clean pin, no problem. Exactly. Um, Liv Morgan got some stuff in. Lana looked great once again. Yeah. Um, and then they're like, oh, oh, and Lana was the last woman standing. Yeah. So what happened was she got in the ring. She started. So, to do so shit. she was put in the corner by Nia Jax. Also, also, she was hitting moves, but right. all the women on her uh, on her side were saying, "Tag out," and then she tagged out and stood. On the steel steps. Right. And they paced it nice to the point where it was Nia Jax. Right. It was, it was Nia yeah. Jax and Lana on one side. And Lana did not do anything else outside of what she right. did. And that was like 20 or 30 minutes outside right. of whatever. Versus Bianca Blair, who was the last women on the SmackDown roster. Right. And um, Bianca Blair hip-tossed Nia Jax into it. Both of them were counted out, but Lana was still right, in the a corner. part of the match, yep. but she was not in a place where she could tag in. So she was the last woman standing. Right. Now, 
in in my notes, I say it was a fucking horrible ending, but storyline reasons, it was awesome. It was. It was this, awesome storyline reasons, but why would you end something like that on pay-per-view? Right. But we digress. Anyways, moving on, main event. Now, this is the one, I mean, I wish um, Male Parental Unit joined us with this one because this is the Roman Reigns-Drew McIntyre match. This match was unfucking believable It was this, awesome. I have seen a million Drew McIntyre-Roman Reigns matches. This is by far the best one that they've had. They oh, told, God, yes. They told the best story. Yes. They had a great counter to everything. Oh, my God. It was um, great. It was just awesome. It was so great. And also, Roman Reigns won. Yeah, he won. Um, it was it was because of um, Jey Uso got involved. Oh, that's right. And super kicked him. Roman Reigns got the guillotine. Um, Reigns Reigns was pissed off at Uso and told him to go home. Right. Because he was really pissed off. But then Uso redeemed himself right. and helped Reigns. And then Reigns won because right. then un Uso understood what was going on. Right. Um, McIntyre lost, but he did not tap. Right. It was a pass out. It was but a pass out. He was low blowed and right. then super kicked right. and then put in the choke and he passed out. All right. So yeah. it was McIn McIntyre did not look bad. Reigns didn't. Uh, once again, yeah. Reigns looking just. <laughs> Reigns. Reigns just the the head of the table here, the tribal chief. Right. And I'm gonna say this: Roman Reigns is the best in WWE right now. Oh God, yes. By a, I mean, Drew McIntyre. Drew is Drew there. McIntyre is the face of the year, but Roman Reigns is the heel of the year. One hundred percent. He's so <laughs> trying to hold a torch to that Orton. <laughs> Every any 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 heel any heel. It doesn't matter. You can't touch. Roman Reigns. You can't touch the heel, Roman Reigns. You just can't. There's just no way. Nobody can say it. And Even Jim Cornette praised him, and this is a guy who let his wife prey on his students, for God's sake. Um, and he's sitting there was like, oh my God, this is the Roman... This is the Roman Reigns that we wanted for years because we knew he could do it. Oh God, yes. And here, people, he, is, here he is just killing it. People... Knew. Oh God! And we yes. can do an, we can do an entire episode, but we knew. We said, please. We know yes, Roman Reigns absolutely. can do this. Absolutely. But, but now he's sitting here, right, crushing it. Not yes. only physically, but he yes. changed his style. Oh God! Yes. He's doing much better promo oh, work. Um, speaking of changing style, Keith Lee's theme song, awesome. Yes, Keith Lee changed his theme song. It's unbelievable. Anyways. Great. So, um, before we get to the end, um, any other thoughts on Roman Reigns versus Drew? This is match of the night. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say anything else. I mean, yeah, this was match of the night. By far, right. match of the night. Anyways, um, let's go to the Undertaker really quick, and then we'll do our rating. Undertaker final farewell. So this is it was it was underwhelming. I was pissed off. I, um, so they had Shane McMahon, The Big Show, Jeff Hardy, The Godwins, which was kind of insane, Rikishi, Savio Vega, The Godfather, Mick Foley, Kevin Nash, JBL, Booker T, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair, Triple H, Kane, dressed as Kane, which I thought was weird. Yeah. Um, they came out, and they just stood around. Yeah, they stood around. Not, and then they did the They sit around, thing. they did the whole promo thing, and then... And then they were gone! Right, and then they were gone. And then, what and then, was... And then, what was the point? And then here it is, Vinnie Mac, who's like 95 years old. He looks terrible. Oh my god, yes. 
he really like age has hit him like a brick. Oh yeah. His gizzard is bad. His eyes just look horrible. Oh my god, yeah. The poor man is done. I was please. I was wondering if I was wondering if uh, Shahid Khan would come in do like a claymore kick on him. Or right. Something. Oh god. <laughs> honestly, like over the WWE. I mean, that okay. man. <laughs> like honestly, like being serious, I feel for the guy. He just looks I'm done. I'm I'm looking for Vince McMahon's retirement next. He he just needs to He needs to be done. He's been a, he he was he around does. more than the Undertaker has for God's sake. Anyways, so the Undertaker came out, did a very it, okay. it was a, it was a short speech. I do like how they did the Tesla coils with the Undertaker. Yes, though. so they did the Tesla coils. I made the joke that Mr. McMahon's like, ah, when did they make these Tesla coils? Like, bruh. bruh. Anyway, um, they did it like to his theme song, yeah, it was and awesome. it was really good. <laughs> oh, it was awesome. They. They did it, was it awesome. so great. Well, not the whole thing. They only did right. like the intro with like the logo. They really went all out. Oh yeah. Um, Undertaker got in the ring. Nobody else was in the ring at this point. No. So we had all of these legends, all of these people who are so like part of his career, and like Savio Vega and the Godwins, they had like their own little clique. Right, um, but but none of them like were there with him when they congratulated. The like no one was all. there. It was just the Undertaker giving like a Hall of Fame esque kind of speech. I mean, that would be fine if it was a Hall of Fame, but but this is it. I mean, okay, here here's a perfect example of when they did this right. Right, Rick Flair's oh, yes. retirement. That I cried because Flair did not know what was happening. They had all these people. He was crying. It right, was just it was awesome. It was unreal how right. Good. And then Undertaker actually gave the bow to him. It's like have. Them have Undertaker come out. We needed to see the Mark Calloway in him. Right. We know that we, under we needed to see his emotion. Like we we wanted to see it. We, we just wanted, wanted to. to see the raw emotion. I would have cried. I I would have cried. I would have died. But I didn't right cry. There. I didn't cry because of this. I was disappointed. It was so goddamn lame. It was it was like a fart in church. That's how bad it was. It was real. I mean, it was, this is it was bad. I mean, okay. I love Flair, but this is the Undertaker. Ric Flair was already a legend before he got there. Undertaker was an unknown, and he right. made his legend there. You would have thought that everybody came out. You would have saw this. Like, call him Mark Calloway. Right. Transition the Undertaker away. We don't need to see him anymore. Right, right, right. They I, mean, just, I mean, even Vince McMahon said, the Undertaker. And he did and a very good job, but then he, he was gone. Then he was gone. That's this, it. Vince McMahon. So, left. so this is this is the guy that, like, single-handedly saved your company, and you're just like, boop. Yeah. Right. Um. You in WrestleMania 30, WrestleMania 30, when Undertaker collapsed right. backstage, right? Vince McMahon left. Right. This is WrestleMania, right. but he valued the Undertaker more than right. this. But you couldn't give him that human connection. Right. Where you had to keep him as this mysterious. Just, just fucking. I was so pissed off. off. I was so mad. This was not what needed to happen. No. Give him that. We wanted to see. Here's. It was lame. It was it was lame as fuck. I I would love to see the connection with the Godwins. Even the Godfather, a person who really helped him. 
I would have loved to see that kind of just. I wanted to see that human. Vein. I wanted to see the humanity. They did not just drop the ball. They dropped it into a lava pit and then masturbated in it. That's how much they dropped the ball. I'm it was, sorry. It was awful. The survive. It was awful. It was just. It was terrible. So I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna put it out right there. It was just terrible. Anyways. Match. We all we all know the match. No, no, no. I'm 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 going I'm going to give you three criterion for this because I think Fuck it is this. Okay. Anyways, go for it. Star rating, best segment, worst segment. <laughs> You're okay. Star rating. I'm gonna give it a three. Okay. The best segment. The gobbledygooker, like, like. Oh well, no, no, no! I'm, I'm, I'm considering a segment as not only just a segment, but also a match because that's, a, it's a segment. What? So, okay, so I want to bitch about the Undertaker more. <laughs> okay, so the worst segment is the Undertaker, and I hate saying that too. I hate that. The best match, if you, I don't know, the best match of the night was Drew versus Roman. What was the worst match of the night? You're really you're Well really every everything everything else was also just kinda lame. Nothing really stood out. Nothing stood out. It was just it was a nothing I mean I could I could give the second best It was it was it was could, okay. Could, it was I could it, give the second best match of the night to the women. But other than the women um the, the women Survivor, Survivor series. series match. But other than that fuck you. So I will I'll give you a criteria. It was like it was like, it was like middle of the row, then great and then, like, oh, that wasn't a fart. Right. So, anyways, uh, no, no, the Undertaker segment was masturbating, like, straight up I'm, I'm, okay, onto here's, the priest. That's here, how bad it was. Here's my thing with the same criterion, but I'm going to give myself match, match, and then I'm going to bitch about the Undertaker. Okay, go ahead. So You only have, well, you have about um, uh, two minutes to bitch about the Undertaker, so go for it. I'm going to give the whole show a two. Ooh, wow. I'm even more generous than you are. Um, I'm going to give the worst match to that that men's that men's Royal Rumble. I or that men's fucking um Survivor Series. Oh yeah, the one with all the legends. It didn't matter. No, no, no. The the men's the opening match. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm talking about. Like the pre-show match. No. Oh, oh, you mean the men's Survivor Series match? Yes, I'm gonna oh, give yeah, that, the, that. I'm gonna give that the worst match of the night. Yeah, that cock of bullshit there. It was lame. That was lame. There were some good segments, but the whole thing was like, oh, clean sweep. Well, no shit. It's all that coming. I can't give it to the new day. Oscar and Sasha Banks redeemed themselves later. Um, the women's match was actually good. I liked it a lot. Um, is there, already, oh, uh, you, Bobby, you Bobby Lashley and Sami Zayn had some great stuff in it. That's like. The potential right. that it would have been good, whatever, who cares? They work well. But what the fuck, man? The Undertaker. And then Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns was the best match because that match was the best match. Right. And then just the Undertaker segment. Here, let's like, let's kill off the entire momentum of the show here. This. Oh. You if, know what? At, at if, least, if they if they, I, if they if they all here's how you done this. If they all came out, Mr. McMahon came out the same way, introduced the Undertaker. He comes out. They all hug. That that yeah. should have that should have been the opening segment. Feel good moment. Yep. But no, he was alone talking about I'm putting the Undertaker in rest in peace. What? No one gives a fuck. Get your gimmick out of his head. You know what? You know what? You know what? I thought that the Ken also he walked away with 
everything on. Yeah. To leave the stuff in the ring, say, as Mark Calloway, I am putting the Undertaker okay. 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 to rest. Right. Anyways, anyways. <gasps> before, before, before the end of the show here, which one was better? I, I know I know the answer to this already, but The Undertaker closing or um, Ken Shamrock? Ken Shamrock. Yep. By Ken a Shamrock. mile. Beginning of the show, short speech, Ken Shamrock, Boom. whatever. Anyways. We had, we had, we had feel-good moments. We had The Rock talk about it. It was Right. So it was awesome. I'm like, I wish that Kane would have done like a video, something for it. Or, this is or WWE. Do it exactly like Flair. You guys nailed it with you Flair. Guys, yes. You nailed it. Anyways. You nailed it. You nailed it with Shawn Michaels, for right. God's sake. You, Fuck. Shawn Michaels there, was out there. There, were, there, were, there was nothing like, you know, um, um, Glenn Jameson do like a 20-minute promo with like, oh, my God, this is the Undertaker. Have, have them hug. Have that human connection because right. they're so intertwined with their careers. It's like, Undertaker, fuck, fuck the Undertaker as a supernatural character at this point. Fuck it. Fuck him. We he is a human. We should have had the Mark Calloway put the Undertaker to rest. That would have been... And then all of them walk up. All of them do the arm raise. My God. It was... Yes. It, it's, it was so... It was so written. I'm like... It oh, was so easy. They, they were bringing people out that were so and great I'm like, to oh it. my God. Undertaker, he's going to come out. He's going to do his great he's, speech and fuck this. No. He did like a two-minute... And then like, they're gone! And he did like a two-minute bullshit. As the Undertaker. As the Undertaker. I don't want to hear from the Undertaker. I don't want to hear from the Undertaker anymore. I want to hear from Mark Calloway. Please. Fuck it. Anyways, we have three minutes before we're too Sick. long gone. No. Next week, <laughs> the Bible study is going to be on Shawn Michaels. Um, I think I'm probably going to be doing more so of like very important matches in pro wrestling just because we're still going to be here for the majority of the week. And I think it's a really easy thing to do because right. there's so um, much. As far as anything else, it's TBD. But thank you guys so much I'm making an, for tuning Oh, no, no, no. I, I already have it out. Oh. I just can't remember what it is off the top of my head. I have it, um, I have it in there. Uh, oh. God damn it. Anyways, no one cares. Just look for our social media. Follow uh, our social media and also subscribe to the channel wherever you're listening to this on so you don't miss a show. Yes, if you're listening to this on YouTube, YouTube will not be up until next <gasps> oh, week. Oh, you know what it was? I remember. So on the next show, it is kind of a history lesson. It's um Booker. It's um Booker Fowles. So oh, bookers who right. make bookers who make horrible decisions. That's that right. was it. So yeah, that's our big topic for next week since we don't have a show. Um, but we're gonna do it very um, similar to um, the worst gimmicks in yes, pro wrestling. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So thank you guys so much for listening. Um, like I said, YouTube will be on sometime probably next week. Yep. And as always, a be majestic.